From Gimlet, this is Reply All. I'm PJ Vogt. And I'm Alex Goldman. Alex Goldman. PJ Vote. Why are we here? Uh, this is our end of the year spectacular extravaganza. Okay. Which is an episode where we just kind of, we check up on some old stories, but we also give ourselves permission to kind of do whatever we want. Yeah. It's sort of, uh, it's sort of a no rules kind of situation. It's Wacky Wednesday. Wacky Wednesday. What's Wacky Wednesday? Uh, Harvey brought home a book from the uh, library called Wacky Wednesday, which is written by Dr. Seuss, but illustrated by someone else for some reason. Okay. And the premise is like, it's this Wednesday where everything goes crazy, but the person who illustrated it has no imagination. So like the crazy thing is that like, there's a shoe on top of a building. (laughs) That's Wacky Wednesday? There's a shoe on a building? It's like, or like... There's a baby carriage, but a tree's growing out of it. It's like the least wacky stuff you could imagine. It's so... It just sounds like things you would see after a bomb went off in a city. You'd see a tree growing out of a You'd see like a tree carriage. wrapped around a baby. You'd see like, like it would be like impaled on a tree and there'd be a shoe on a house. Not to make it dark, but that's that's what Wacky Wednesday sounds like. Well, you really have, <laughs> you really have made it dark. <laughs> okay, so what else happens on Wacky Wednesday? trying to remember what else happens on Wacky Wednesday. Dr. Seuss refuses to illustrate his own books. Um, it'll be like, there's like a plane taking off backwards. It's You the... mean crashing? Why are you trying to make this so gross? I'm not. I'm just trying to... No, gross. I'm just trying to understand... Imagine, wacky... imagine a plane going in reverse, but taking off. It goes in the air, but first? Yeah. <laughs> imagine a That's plane pretty going wacky, in the air, actually. but first. <laughs> okay, so this is kind of... This is our... This is our annual Wacky Wednesday episode. Um, and there's someone here to help us. Repile producer Jessica Young. Hi, guys. Hi, Jessica. Jessica, what are you doing here? So today I am going to intro each update that we're going to be doing. Give me, a, give me an example of what this would sound like. Like, up next, episode. <laughs> <laughs> what a listener can't see is that when you do that, you point you your, your finger, finger in, in the air, air and smile like a toothpaste model it's like this huge (laughs) smile it reminded me of the people who do the um safety instructions on the airplane yeah well the other day i was walking down and i was shopping for christmas gifts and then i saw this guy outside like trying to get people to like do 20 dollar tattoos and he did it with like so much enthusiasm and he had his like hand in the air that i was like that's how you do it did you get a tattoo no i thought about it though people were getting 20 dollar tattoos and the fact that that worked you know it was like so like I don't know, convincing. So you want to be up here with the with the persuasive technique of a guy who can sell a $20 tattoo to a stranger on the street. Yes. Okay. You so far, to, so good. So far, so good. You want to do one more? Okay. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. 
Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. First up. (laughs) First up, episode 130, The Snapchat Thief. So you remember the episode, The Snapchat Thief? Yes. In that episode, a listener named Lizzie got in touch with us because her Snapchat account had been stolen. Her Snapchat account was Lizard. She'd like gotten the company to give it back, but she was being threatened. Right. At this point, did you think like this hacker knew everything about you? Um... I definitely was like feeling weird. And I like remember like maybe two days later, I like go to this yoga studio that's like two blocks from my house. And I just remember feeling like so nervous walking back from yoga. Um, so this like consumed you. You just felt exposed everywhere. Yeah. And actually, I also made my roommate sleep in my bed with me. And so I started trying to look into who was threatening her and whether she was actually at any risk. And I stumbled in sort of teenage hacker world. Right. And so after doing that story, I was like, oh, I'm very nervous about these hackers who like to steal people's accounts and get really and get their personal info, stealing my accounts and getting my personal info. So what happened? So I immediately did a thing where I, I hopped in their discord just to see what they were talking about. If they were mad at you? If they were mad or if they were like out to get me or whatever. Don't you think maybe they wouldn't discuss it in the Discord? Oh my God. They discussed it so much. (laughs) (laughs) So there were, there was like a variety of responses. What did they, did they like the podcast? Some of them did. There was a lot of like, can you, can you believe how cringy it is that a 40 year old stalked us for two months in our, in our, in our discord, which they related to me. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) There were a couple of people who were legitimately mad. And what, 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 they were just mad because they felt exposed. Yeah. This person was like, you think we should shut them down? And I was like, oh, that's a little scary. Yeah. And then Maxime, one of the ringleaders of the hacker group I was watching says the podcast guy. No, why would we care? And then Maxime is like, there's legit nothing bad in the podcast. Like, there's nothing bad about us. Like, why would we go after him? That's really well adjusted. Yeah, I agree. What a weird little cabal. But a couple weeks after the episode came out, I got an email from Michael Bazell. Security expert. Security expert from the episode. Yeah. And he was like, hey, so I just wanted to let you know that your social security number was bought. (gasps) Oh. On the internet. And I was like, how could you possibly know that someone bought my social security number? Do you have like an alert on it? So there, it's actually pretty fascinating. There's a website, which I'm not going to name here because no one should ever go to it. But it's a place where you can buy social security numbers and personal information about people from various leaks. And, And basically, the way the site works is all of the social security numbers are hidden and you have to search for names and pay for the name. It can be as cheap as like $1.80 to get someone. That's how much does social security cost? Yeah. And once someone buys your social security number, it appears on a public list on that website that anyone can see. Oh, crap. He has a bot crawling that list for my social security number. And once it became public, that means someone bought it. Not great. Not awesome. 
And I was thinking, like, what could they do with my social security number? They could take the SATs for you. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way they could do worse than I (laughs) But I was thinking, like, you know, what can you do with with a social security number? And I was like, they can't start a new line of credit because I've frozen my credit. But they can, if they know my phone number, impersonate me to my phone company. Right. So just to be safe, I told my phone company that no one can transfer a phone on my account unless they go into the store. And I hope that that works. I guess we'll see. (laughs) Quick PSA. After this episode, a lot of people sent in emails asking what they should do to be more secure online. Here are two easy things you can do. One, get a password manager like LastPass or Dashlane. Sorry that we say that in every episode, but you really need one. That's why we do it. And two, download an app called Google Authenticator, which is really just a much more secure way to do two-factor authentication than getting a text sent to your phone. Also, just, you know, don't bother hackers. And now, number 127 and number 128, The Crime Machine. So you remember Crime Machine was about... Crime Machine was about... It was about a guy named Jack Maple who essentially invented the sort of statistical analysis of crime in New York City and then about how his invention, after he passed away, um, totally became misused as a way to make the NYPD look a lot better better at stopping crime than it was. Yeah, and part of what we were trying to do with the story was actually just understand Jack Maple, like the guy who built this and like what he actually wanted. And so we spent a lot of time listening to these tape recordings of him talking to this journalist named Chris Mitchell. Um, And you could just hear like Jack's weirdo crime brain, like talking about stuff like how the way he figured out where to put detectives in the city was by studying Napoleon's military strategies. Plus, what did we learn from Napoleon? He didn't think much of the admirals, right? And he got fucked at Trafalgar because of that. He didn't use his detectives. Oh, yeah. Um, you really think I'm crazy, man. <laughs> you do. You want me to fill out You're a little surprised here? about what? So the guy interviewing Jack in those tapes, Chris Mitchell, um, he recorded those tapes 20 years ago. Him and Jack actually became friends after that. And he emailed me when the story came out just to say that listening to the tapes again, it brought back a lot of memories for him. It's it's funny that uh, I have a memory of him being much more saintly than he comes across. Because <laughs> <laughs> at his core, he's such a good guy. Um, even the you know the motherfucking stuff on the on the tapes is was a surprise to me because I, you know, at the time I remember, but twenty years later or whatever, <laughs> that all disappeared. And he told me this story about he was like Jack was just really charming and he could like sort of adapt his personality to the people around him in like a good way. And he said there was this one time where um, they were hanging out at Chris's house and it was like holiday times. And um, and we sat in the, my apartment dining room a little bit and, um, and my daughter, who was about five, came in and he immediately, um, instead of introducing himself as Jack Maple, introduced himself as one of Santa's elves. <laughs> <laughs> and she completely bought it <laughs> um and uh so we finished up our business and and we walk out and santa's elf had left his clock on the table 
And he called me like three minutes later from the car saying, I left my, I left my gun there. <laughs> Put it up on a high shelf. <laughs> uh, That's perfect. <laughs> so the reason I was psyched to talk to Chris is because, like, you remember in the piece, it was like, Jack created the system to track crime, and for a while it really worked. And then eventually people started abusing the system, and actually it encouraged cops to not report crimes because they didn't want to get in trouble. And I want—I never knew like how aware Jack was before he died that his system had gone off the rails. And Chris had emailed me after the story and been like, oh, I have the answer to that. I mean, I know in 1998 we were already talking about that issue, that the numbers could be faked. Um, and I mean, I think you can tell from the original piece that Jack was furious about anything that was, <laughs> that was unfair. So, um, so he he had a plan that he was putting in place, and I'm not sure how many cities he was able to do it. Essentially, there would be people who would be doing undercover work, going and um, reporting crimes, acting out the, the the idea that a crime had happened, um, and then that would mean that the people on top would be able to check to see if those crimes showed up. So, so it was like an audit. Like you would, like you would have somebody pretend to be a victim, mm-hmm. file a report, yeah. and then see what happened in the system? Yeah, exactly. It was certainly part of his concept of relentless follow-up, that he, he knew the system couldn't just be put in place and that would, that would be it. The people running it had to always be trying to make it better. So he knew about the pitfall and... He had a plan, at least, to try to address it. And I just, I liked that it was like, let's have a bunch of fake victims report fake crimes to catch cops that aren't doing their jobs. Like, that just felt like a Jack Maple plan. Like the guys who used to come into the gas station I worked at to see if I would card for cigarettes. Exactly like the guys who used to come into the gas station that you used to work at to see if you would card for cigarettes. Did you ever get caught? No, because I always carded for cigarettes. What if somebody looked kind of like an old person? Um, I always carded for cigarettes because other people I'd worked with had gotten busted. And the deal was that my boss, Mr. Fox, who's a pretty chill dude, loved the kinks, loved Public Image Limited, cool guy. Uh huh. He was like, sorry, man, like this ticket is yours. I'm not going to deal with Can it. you make the employees pay for the tickets? Well, the tickets are specifically written to the employees because they're the ones who actually commit commit the cigarette fraud. Cigarette, cigarette fraud. Wow. Did you, and you never fell for it? No, because I just had a blanket, always show me your ID rule. Did people ever freak out? One guy threw a phone book at me. (laughs) Well, I worked midnight to eight and like people would show up drunk and be like, I want a pack of camels or whatever. And I'd be like, I need to see your ID. And the person was like, I don't have my ID. Did it hit? Uh, Yeah, it hit me square in the face. Pretty funny to picture. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then I did the coolest thing I could think to do which was drop down the bulletproof glass and lock the door to the cage I was in and start swearing at the guy. (laughs) (laughs) How'd that go over? Um, I felt really safe. (laughs) Okay, well, that's my update. Hey, guys. Hey, Damiano. How's it going? Good. What are you doing here? Um, so we've reached the portion of the show called lightning round. Nice. Do you guys remember lightning round? Uh, we try to do a lot of updates real fast and there's, and it's a competition for no reason. (laughs) Exactly. So normally it's the two of you guys competing against each other. Yeah. This year though, I want to add someone. I want to add producer Fia Benin and she's going to represent like the producers of Reply All. Meaning what? 
Uh, meaning like she can give updates on any of the things that the producers worked on. So like anything I worked on, anything Shruti, who's out sick this week, worked on, anything Anna or Jessica. Okay. She can also update whatever she wants. I hate this. Yeah, I love it. Weird. So, All right. Let me grab her. Wait, wait. Yeah, I see. Here's some real host ego. I just don't like this. She can do whatever she wants. All right. Fia Bennett. Hi. Hi, Fia Bennett. Fia's here with a, a, a bottle of whiskey that, like, a pirate would be scared of. It's, it's close to it's the size huge. of her body. Oh. I would like to have a shot before we do this. Okay. Are you just getting yeah. pumped? I'm stressed. This is stressful. It makes me anxious. Um, I think that some whiskey would help. Okay. Maybe that's very unhealthy. Uh, whatever. Um... Oh, I wouldn't leave you. Well, I am. I do have a cold. Why would I do this to myself? I mean, that's what like a hot toddy is. It's a, a hot toddy is, is when you have a, with a cold. When, <laughs> all right, let me get that hot toddy. <laughs> Pour it directly into my cold diet snapple. Are you not going to cheers me? Rude. <laughs> We're enemies. So rude. Cheers. Wow, this really makes this taste like cough syrup. You guys are so gross. I don't disagree with you. Do you feel readier? Okay, I feel two things right now. Hammered. I, f- I feel very nervous. Really? But I also think that I could win. Ooh. One of those was a feeling. One was more of a belief. Okay, What's the difference fair. between a feeling and a belief? You don't know the difference between a feeling and a belief? Can we strike that from the record? Via, is this your <laughs> is this your version of like intimidation tactics before the match. <laughs> yeah, you're you're like you're like pro wrestling shit talk is to be like I feel nervous but I believe I could win. <laughs> I have a follow-up question which is What's the difference going... between a thought and a belief? No, I, I already What's the difference between a promise and a wish? I would like What's the difference between a question and an answer? And what's the difference between a friend and an enemy? <laughs> oh, I know what enemies are. <laughs> Very familiar with them. Okay. All right, guys. Um, so the rules before we begin. Yeah. Normally we have a minute for lightning round. I'm going to add 30 seconds. And we're going to go in a, just a clockwise formation. Alex is sitting right in front of me. That means. It's almost like I was just going to say what that meant. <laughs> Fucking dicks. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, we're going to go clockwise. So it's Alex, Fia, PJ. Also remember that I get to do whatever I want. And you have to listen to me. Oh. No, I don't really want to take questions either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is everyone ready? Yes. yes. Okay. On your marks. Alex, you're first. Okay. Get set. Go. Okay, so Voyage into Pizzagate, the guy who, one of the people who was the founding people, at, oh my God, one of the people who was... Very- Clock's oh ticking. no! Ooh, uh, first, ugh. this is like watching someone trip in the Olympics. The person who bought Pizzagate.com, which was used as a repository for all sorts of Pizzagate conspiracy theories, eventually denounced it and now uses it as a website to denounce con- the conspiracy theory. That took twenty seconds. Okay, Susan from the past two updates episode, the woman who is like, yeah, an owl watcher. Her dog Frankie No Pants. He died this year. No. But she bought a house. Okay. Good for her. PJ, PJ, go. PJ, go. Who was it? Um, Oh, uh, Sergeant Edwin Raymond from the Crime Machine episode. He had been up for a lieutenant promotion, and it seemed like the department was denying him. He just got it. Alex. Uh, Facebook is still not listening to you, no matter what you think. But 
There, uh, some information, some documents leaked this year, uh, which show that they were collecting text message and phone number information from people who have Android phones, and they were talking about how creepy it was and chose to do it anyway. Oh, so you're falling behind. You better. Okay. Struthi still orders everything from Amazon, but she heard this horrific report uh, on next day delivery, so she does three to five day delivery instead, and she says she still feels bad about it. Uh, okay, you remember that episode of The Prophet about uh, Mexican elections? Mm-hmm. Yes. So the PRI, the ruling party, they finally lost an election. Uh, Obrador, the other guy, won. Barry Crimmins, the comedian who ended up uh, in Earth. Uh, Stop! You're making it much harder. <laughs> no, he's he's reflecting reality. You're really bad at this. <laughs> yeah. Should I, I go? Skipping you. Fia, go. Fia, go. Fia, go. Fia, okay, go. Um, I now have a password manager. Alex had to set the whole thing up for me, and he knows like my super password and could give everything away. I bought a bunch of Bitcoin after we told people not to buy Bitcoin, and that was crazy to buy Bitcoin, and I lost some money. Matt Logelin from the episode about how his wife was appearing in ads um, is no longer seeing his wife in ads after they said they would take them down. Uh, Callie Burke, the one who was going to um, launch a rocket to Mars, Ten did, seconds. did launch a rocket to Mars. Uh, Five seconds. Uh, they still haven't found the Phantom Caller. Uh, incels are still being really terrible on the internet. Okay, time, time, time. All right, uh, deathmatch. Deathmatch? PJ v. Fia. We get to kill each other out there. Alex? End. Wait, what did I do wrong? A lot. <laughs> Ready, set, go. Um, a councilwoman from an area called uh, San Juan Capistrano in her farewell speech said, God bless America, God bless Q, God bless San Juan Capistrano. Wait, so you're talking about like QAnon Q? Yeah. That is creepy. Uh, Logan Paul tased a rat for some reason after having like tearfully apologized for putting bad stuff on the internet. The rat and was dead. Alex, you're not in this round. And now he has a podcast. Um, Soapy Soap changed their name to The Mad Optimist. I saw that. I uh, 30 seconds of extra time. Keep one going. Time. I Barry from Boy Wonder um made a um is making a quote book. My uh dog uh Lizzie <laughs> um from Snapchat was on the Bite Back podcast after she donated to Bite Back the nonprofit. I'm thinking about doing more internet shopping um, for the Christmas upper west side which is the, <laughs> the <laughs> um the store on the upper west side that people were donating their breast milk to closed i have nothing okay time wow okay so official standings alex goldman yeah i hi you didn't like like I got a little There's flustered. not going to be a podium with three spots on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, it was much it's nicer. It's like a year I... where you just skip the bronze medal. Yeah. There's it... just like one step, a high step, and then a slower step, and that's it. Cool. So you're watching them get their medals. <laughs> um, PJ? I'd be happy to just get silver here. You did a pretty good job. Thank you. I thought you did I'm well, I'm proud too. of you. You get you get second place though, like clearly. Yeah, second yeah place. no, I had no illusions here. Fia Benin. Yes, Damiano Marchetti. You are this year's 2018 year end extravaganza gold medalist. Thank you. Congratulations. I'm so happy. The underclass. The Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. 
Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Accenture overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 40%. Up to 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Next up, episode 119, No More Safe Harbor. Okay, so this episode was about FOSTA-SESTA, these two laws that basically made it so that any website where, where people sell sex online can get in way more trouble than they used to. And according to the people who supported this law, the reason they wanted to pass it was because they were trying to stop pimps, like sex traffickers, people who were using the internet to force people to sell sex against their will. Like their big target, like the website that they particularly hated was this website called Backpage, which was basically just like the erotic encounters on Craigslist, but turned into its own website. Right. But like at the time... We talked to a bunch of sex workers and people who studied sex work. And what they were saying is, like, this law is going to have really unintended consequences. Like, all these people who have been using the Internet to sell sex and actually protect themselves, a lot of those people are just going to be forced back onto the streets. In the original episode, I talked to this economist named Scott Cunningham who told me about it. Do you think people are going to die because of this law? Yeah, I do, actually. If they end up having to go back to the streets, if they end up having to work with clients that they were not able to check out before or screen in any way, they are going to die. There are, there's going to be violence committed. There's going to be violence committed against them. There'll be no more blacklists. There'll be no more whitelists. There'll be no references. I mean, it's not even clear how the mar- what the new market's going to look like, but I can't imagine that any of the safety infrastructure is going to be there. So it's been eight months since we did that story, and I just wanted to see what had actually happened. So I called this person named Pike Long. She works with sex workers in San Francisco. I am the deputy director of St. James Infirmary. We're the first um, and only in the nation that I'm aware of uh, peer-based occupational health and safety clinic for sex workers um, and their partners. So Pike said just on a neighborhood level in San Francisco, as soon as the law passed, they saw it. Like they saw more of the people they worked with were in more trouble and needed more help. And she also said the other thing that sex workers and sex worker advocates had predicted, which was that the law would actually empower sex traffickers 
She said that they saw that almost immediately, too. So, for example, somebody who maybe actually had gotten out of an abusive third-party situation started out having a pimp, um, or even if it wasn't abusive, but they didn't want a pimp taking a big cut of their money. Once they were able to get online and get their own business off the ground, they were working for themselves and keeping all of it. Once Fost and Sesta happened, a lot of pimps came back out of the woodwork and were like, hey, you need me now. How else are you going to find clients? How are you going to screen these clients? Right. Who's going to protect you? Right? Suddenly, these folks needed protection again when they had been doing just fine on their own previously. I guess we knew that this was going to be a thing that like rippled in all these different ways. It's just like interesting hearing all the ways it actually did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, oh, honey, I didn't even tell you. I was because I was networking with all these international uh, activists, and what I learned was what when Backpage closed, you know, I guess I kind of had this naive like, oh, well, workers in the U.S. are screwed. But no, Backpage was the number one advertising venue for the entire world. There was like 120 countries um, mm. where Backpage was the number one platform. It was massive. So what we heard from a lot of people everywhere from like Malaysia to Australia to Africa, like South Africa especially was there. Uganda was there. Like the same thing that we saw happening in the United States has happened ripple effect, like worldwide. This, the day Backpage went down, literally I would say probably millions of people's lives were damaged instantaneously, like their ability to earn a living. The other place this rippled out that sort of surprised me was that since FOSTA SESTA passed, all the big platforms like Facebook, Reddit, Tumblr, like they have all now gotten so scared about being FOSTA SESTA compliant that they've shut down like huge parts of the website of their websites because they're worried that they could get caught allowing people to sell sex. Like Craigslist lost their personal sections. Uh, Tumblr just a few weeks ago, they said they were going to basically do a ban on essentially all adult content on their website, which with Tumblr, you're just sort of like, oh, what will be yeah, left? the entire website. Next up, episode 122, the QAnon code. So we have a segment on our show called Yes, Yes, No, in which uh, our boss, Alex Bloomberg, comes to us with things from the internet he doesn't understand, and we try to explain them to him. And um, we've had some wild ones this year. So we brought Alex Bloomberg back into the studio. Uh, Alex, hello. Hello. Uh, we brought you here because there have been a variety of developments from the Yes, Yes, No's that we have... Uh, the yes, Yes, No's, which became understandable, then more things happen. And while you might think that you're a yes... I got node. The, the internet <laughs> returns to its natural state of confusion. <laughs> got it. Do you remember QAnon, Alex Bloomberg? I do remember QAnon. QAnon is a person or persons who have been posting on 4chan and 8chan for the past year. And their posts are super cryptic, but basically what they say is that a lot of very prominent politicians like the Obamas, the Clintons, are engaging in all of this insanely corrupt behavior, and Donald Trump is leading a clandestine campaign to have them all arrested. Right. So I spoke to Will Summer from The Daily Beast, who has done a lot of reporting about QAnon, far-right conspiracy theories, and I just asked him, like, what has Q been posting and how have his followers been interpreting it? Has anything that Q predicted come true? Well, so a lot of these Q predictions are so incredibly vague. And so they'll say, you know, like something big is going to happen next week. <laughs> and then, you know, Mueller will indict someone or something will happen. And then Q will say, see, I told you. I mean, the latest one I was seeing was Q is predicting a big red wave 
um, you know, in the the midterms, and and that didn't materialize. But then, you know, there was an earthquake in Alaska, and now there, people are saying, well, that was the wave Q was talking about. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, he can predict earthquakes too? Well, you know, so if you get a little into it, you know, there's a lot of accusations that, you know, the deep state controls the weather and can cause earthquakes and stuff like that. And then Will told me about this other thing that some QAnon folks believe, uh-huh. um, which adds an entire new dimension to this, which is really surprising. Okay. This summer, Q stopped posting for a while and no one could figure out where he was um, or they were. Whoever posts this Q, people were worried that they'd been renditioned, renditioned, busted by the deep state, whatever. And in their place, someone popped up and started posting similarly cryptic things. Um, Let me read the first post by this person. It says, in 1909, we lost everything. My father caught on, first to the Bilderbergs. Then he caught on the NASA. The NASA? I think it's a typo. He demanded to know who the Greys were and why they were here. I assume that means um, aliens. They killed him. I strategically staged my own death, allied with the one person in this world whom I knew was honorable enough to trust, and we began building the plan, quote unquote. It is signed R. The letter after Q. Good work, guys. Whoa. The, f- the photo attached to this is a photo of Donald Trump and John F. Kennedy Jr. So they're saying John F. Kennedy Jr. faked his own death because of the aliens? John F. Kennedy Jr. faked his own death. And the reason that he did that is because he was going to get whacked by the deep state so that they could make way for Hillary Clinton's political aspirations. And he is now posting these messages online under the pseudonym R. That is a good twist. Yeah. I would never have thought that, like, the hero of the Q QAnon conspiracy revolutionary band is John F. Kennedy Jr., who's still alive. Didn't he die? Well, he, how he died did, in a plane crash. He died in a plane crash, plane right? Crash. So people start seeing Q iconography everywhere related to the Kennedys. For example, take a look at this overhead view of the eternal flame, the Graham site of JFK. I can already, I don't even need to do it. It's in a circle and it's a flame, so it's a Q. Oh no, the road is shaped, it's a circle that a road leads into. It doesn't even look like a Q though. It looks like, it looks Uh, like a music note that's bent. Tell them that. This is Alex Goldman for the Reply All (laughs) podcast. Can we chat? Because this seems silly. Um... So there's, I'm going to need a little bit more proof. <laughs> <laughs> just like you can find real things in the world that do look like cues. They're not even trying. So the other thing that's happened related to JFK. The other thing that's happened related to JFK. People start posting pictures from Trump rallies and saying, take a look at this guy. Oh, God. This guy has been showing up at, at Trump rallies. No one can know you're alive. You're going to hide by going to Trump rallies. This person, this JFK Jr. person, is named Vincent Fusca? Fusca? Here's a picture of him. <laughs> Wait, which guy? That's this, Both of those are the same guy. No one has ever looked less like JFK Jr. He's like... <laughs> He's a dude. He's got long hair and a scraggly beard. If you think that that doesn't look like him, just wait until you see this picture of Vincent Fusca's face superimposed over JFK's face. Oh, my God. Two people have never looked less similar. (laughs) Donald Trump looks more like JFK Jr. than Vincent Fusca. So suddenly, 
a bunch of people in the QAnon conspiracy galaxy start talking about him nonstop, like making YouTube videos that say, like, is Vincent Fusca actually JFK Jr.? Um, here. We need to wake up. That's that's not Vincent Fusco or, or Fusco. That's JFK Jr. Uh, mind you, it's been 19 years since we last saw him. But also, let's not underestimate the hair, um, the hat, the glasses, the beard, everything. It make a possibly maybe possible facial reconstruction. Who knows? And Vincent Fusca has been directly asked, like, "Hey, are you actually JFK Jr.?" And he hasn't either confirmed or denied it. Um, but he does take pictures with Q believers all the time and has kind of become like this fringe hero. That's wild. So um, I was like, well, I want to get in touch with Vincent Fusca. Okay. I found a person with his name living in Pittsburgh, which is supposedly where he lives, uh-huh. on LinkedIn. And I sent a LinkedIn message which said, hey, I've been reading about this conspiracy theory. And he got back to me. He called me. I was in an interview, so I couldn't pick up. But I'm pretty sure that I got the wrong guy because this is the voicemail I got. Hi, Alex. This is uh, a person you LinkedIn messaged about a theory about JFK Jr. You said theory. Do you know what a theory is? A theory means something that might be true. You actually said theory when it came to this bullshit fucking ridiculous story. I mean, I can't believe you fucking wasted your time to email me this shit. So I'll give you this kind of interview here over the voicemail, okay? Any fuckhead that thinks that this is a fucking true uh, should be pr- pretty much locked up so that people like me who are intelligent, severely intelligent, can live in a better society. Uh, yeah, you said theory, okay? And that really pissed me off. That's your fucking interview. Don't ever fucking contact me again with some bullshit like this. Next, episode number 126, Alex Jones' Dramageddon. Okay. We have another person in the studio now, Repile producer Anna Foley. Hey, guys. Hi. Hey, Anna. If you remember, I came in to tell you about uh, some drama that was going on in the beauty YouTube community. Oh, I remember. The yeah. YouTube community. Yes, YouTube. YouTube. Yes. Um, so I have a, a small update for you. So do you remember uh, I talked about this technique called a cut crease? Yeah. It was a fancy thing you do on your eyes. And you, yeah. you were bringing this up because you were just literally explaining like what some of why you loved YouTube and it was like just like tutorials. I mean, I love YouTube because of the drama. <laughs> I mean, I watched a ton of tutorials on cut creases because, like, most of the time I can look at a a look or, like, someone's face and kind of replicate it on my own. But, like, a cut crease, I didn't even know where to start. So I had to watch a lot of tutorials. There are so many on there. Hey, guys. So today I created this super glam cut crease ombre makeup look. So first thing I'm doing, of course, is priming my eyes. I want to be using that uh, rusty kind of shade into the crease. And I'm just putting that all over, making sure it's highly, highly pigmented. All right, you guys. This is the finished look. I hope you guys enjoy this fun yellow cut crease eye with top lashes, bottom lashes featuring... So after watching literally hours of these tutorials um i am happy to report that i learned how to do a cut crease congratulations (laughs) 
Thank you. There's something like that's distinctly rewarding about learning something off the internet and then actually being able to do it that yeah. feels very good. Can I see a picture? Sure. It looks really good. Thank you. Let me see. I was picturing something less subtle. Like, I don't know. Alex, can you describe it? Uh, yeah, it's just like a, it's like a dark line right where the fold of your eye. And then, and then it's just sort of like gets gradually later out from there. Mm-hmm. It's like a sunrise. Uh, well, congratulations on learning Thank a thing you. that was difficult. Thank you. Um, I was thinking, though, that it would be very cool if we could all leave 2018 being able to do a cut crease. So... I beg your, I beg your, so you want us to do cut crease? Are you guys up to the challenge? I feel like I can learn a cut crease. Yeah? I'll give it a shot. So uh, I would like to give you all the weekend to practice, learn, to mm-hmm. practice with your supplies. Watch the, watch the video. Are you going to judge? Yes. Um, I think that we should all meet back here Monday morning and everybody can come in their cut crease. All right. All right. See you guys Monday. See you Monday. All right, it's um, 5.42 a.m. I'm going to cut crease my eyes. All right, this is going to be awesome. I have to take my glasses off so I can't see anything. Okay. I feel so stressed out. <laughs> this is so dumb. taking the little brush guy and putting it in the thing that looks like a paint palette, which is a natural shadow palette. Oh, it all looks like, my face looks like when they try to cover graffiti and they just make it uglier. the concealer. I have no idea how much to put on of this stuff, too. Just that is probably good. Alright. Okay. That is not a good line. I can see it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. That's, that, I think that's everything. What do you think? They're probably not going <laughs> to win this. Good morning, Anna. Good morning, Alex. Uh, we are here. Both PJ and I are wearing sunglasses to obscure our makeup. Um, Alex Bloomberg <laughs> has his hat pulled down over his face. And we are ready to do our big reveal. How did it go? It's so, so hard. Yes. Yeah, it's really hard. It was so Oh, my God. It's so hard. hard. It's like painting a painting on your face. <laughs> I know. All right. Alex Bloomberg, okay, here take we go. it away. Ready? Yep. Dun, dun, dun. Should I take off my, I'm going to take off my glasses yeah. too. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, you look what? pretty good. Yeah, you look pretty good. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Alex Bloomberg kind of nailed the winged eyeliner. Oh, wow. It yeah. is, Damn, son. I bailed on that part. I tried to do it like three times. It was not happening. <laughs> and then like you, can you close your eyes really quick? 
you kind of you got the concealer like yeah. you 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 really you put it in the right place it's mm-hmm. cutting your crease mm. um you've got a little bit of glitter on the lid and a little bit of definition in the crease okay it looks you know, it looks pretty good. Oh, there was a stumble guys, in that. It looks that maybe a little <laughs> suspicious. No, I think it looks good. It looks insane. But thank you. I want to say something before I take my glasses off, which is that like I was really hoping to get the cool black line right above my eye, and I had the like pencil that you're supposed to draw it on with. This is very difficult, and I like the idea of having a wing, though. I want to have a wing. I want to have an eye wing. Give me them eye wings. I can't see anything because I don't have my glasses on. But I got them eye wings. I got some eye wings. Yeah. What? What? The tip of my eyeliner broke off. What are you supposed to do about that? So I just kind of had to smear it on. I think that like actually what ended up happening is I just kind of understood. It just kind of looks like kind of understated here. That is kind of understated. It is. It's very subtle. (laughs) (laughs) I really tried. I did this for a half an hour, guys. I was caking stuff on there. You just see it like a subtle dark line extend towards the like end of your eyebrow. Goldman, you look very subtle. It also kind of looks like you wore mascara and a little bit of eyeliner and then you jumped in a pool. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You just forgot that you had makeup on and then you went and had a great time (laughs) splish splashing around. This is what I will say. I feel like I could wear mascara every day. That shit's easy to put on and it makes me look, it makes my eyes pop. And then I would say Bloomberg is on the like more dramatic serving a look like Cleopatra Knight side of things, which I think is the side that I landed on. So I think that's the right side. <laughs> Let's see, PJ. Okay, I didn't do a good job. <laughs> I just kept it kept going wrong, and then I kept putting more on. <laughs> Can you close your eyes and look at me? Okay. Uh-oh. So you've got you've got. I think you have the most glitter out of everyone. That's a that's a superlative. <laughs> Did you use eyeliner? Yes, and then I wiped it off, and then I put it back on. Uh-huh. You put but it back on? I couldn't do the line. So, do I have to rank you guys? Yes. Should yeah. I rank you guys? Yeah. I'm afraid so. I think so. you should do third place first. Okay. Um, so, I think just based on the assignment, which was a cut crease eye with like a little bit, like a dark shadow and then a light shadow, I think third place is going to have to go to you, Alex Goldman. Just because subtlety is like an art in of itself, but a cut crease is not subtle. I wasn't trying to be subtle. The point broke off my pencil. <laughs> what a loser excuse. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. okay. Um, I think if we're like if we're keeping with that criteria and it's like what are the elements going. of the cut crease? You gotta have the line. <laughs> you gotta have the Cleopatra line. You gotta have the Cleopatra line. Well, can I say the point broke off my pencil? <laughs> You could say it, but it would be a lie. You had all the tools. You just did a bad job. I'm not going to lose or lament this. I'm happy to have silver medal. It's great. Your mascara is very nice. Thank you. And first place is yes, (laughs) (laughs) the beautiful Alex Bloomberg. How does it feel? It feels itchy. Can I take it off now? (laughs) 
if you would like to see pictures of our beautiful makeup contest, um, we're going to put them in our newsletter, which is weekly. You can subscribe to it at replyall.limo. We'll also put them on our Instagram. Episode 82. Hello. Okay, so back in 2016, we we decided to take phone calls from listeners for 48 hours. And one of the calls we got, it was towards the end, it was from this woman who, she was originally from India, but she was living in Basel, Switzerland. And the reason she called was because she just had her first kiss. So I'm, I'm 24, and I kissed a guy for the first time like a month ago, maybe. Congratulations. That's really <laughs> exciting. Mean, I- I agree. Then it it was not nice. I did not like it. So now I'm wondering if, um, if before like how do I know I'm straight? I don't know that. So, um, but whenever I have talked to my dad, especially in obtuse terms about this, he has, um, he 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 is very homophobic. So. Things are strained at home right now because I feel I cannot be honest about my stuff. We talked for a really long time without really solving anything. Like, her dad was her best friend. She didn't want to lie to him. And she also just wanted the space to even, like, figure out if she was bisexual. And it was just very hard to solve. Anyway, that was two years ago. Hello. Hello. Oh, hi. How's it going? How's it going? Uh, it's going good. I did not expect to talk to you guys straight away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, here we are. Yes, it's uh, nice to hear your voice. So it's been well, two years since we talked? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so what's happened since then? A uh, lot has happened since then. I gave uh, things a lot of thought and... I decided, okay, maybe I cannot date women straight away, but I can try dating more men and seeing how I like that. Uh-huh. And um, some of them went okay. And basically, I found out at least that it was just one terrible kiss and not all kisses have to be like that. That's, That's a relief. It's a great thing to find out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, so now that you've kissed more people... Was your first kiss the worst kiss that you've had, or is it just one of the less good ones, and there were worse than that one? Uh, I think it it was one of the less good ones. I think it's um I find like men like to dominate kisses, whereas <laughs> no, maybe it's too much detail. <laughs> you mean the thing where it's just like, oh my god, your whole tongue's in my mouth for some reason. Yeah, it's like, uh, here's a mouth and let me just snog it. I'm not like giving people room to breathe. <laughs> and I, <didn't, laughs> I had so little experience that I could not say no to this. And I thought maybe this is just how people did it. And turns out, no, you can be more uh, gentle about it. And about the... I mean, I feel reasonably confident that I am bisexual. Um, but I'm also 
reasonably confident that I will never act on that side of me. Really? Yeah, because um, I gave a lot of thought to what you said, uh, and I agree. My relationship my, with my dad will never be that close again. Mm. But I have no. It's okay because I have like come to realize. I think I don't know. Over the two last two years, I've started to realize like your parents are people too, and they are like they make mistakes too. Yeah, yeah. And and not everything has to match what you think. Um, so, uh, and yeah, so I couldn't, I didn't get, have the courage to talk to my dad about this directly, but I did talk to my sister about this. And how did she take it? How did she react? She did not react very well to that. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. What kind of bad reaction? In the sense that it was more like, okay, fine. Even if you are bisexual, what will you do about it? You cannot act on this because, um, in our in our community, people don't do this. It's uh, her words were basically like, just because you read about it, you now know that you have more options, and that's why you think like this. And I was like, okay, if a person from my own generation has reactions like this, what can I expect from older generations? Right. I, I don't know if if that's fair because older generations can be progressive too, but I don't know. It just um, I was very disappointed for a month or two because I felt like she should have understood. And yeah. When she, yeah. And when she did not, I was like, okay, so the chances of convincing everyone about this are very close to zero. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. Do you feel at peace with the idea of this? Like that that this is sort of proscribed and... And like your family's important to you, and this is a sacrifice you're willing to make. Like, do you feel okay about it? Um, y- y- now, yes, yes. Um, it's okay. Yeah, I I know now what I'm sacrificing, but what I'm getting to keep in return. Um, so I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah. And maybe things will change over time. I feel like sometimes I've like made peace with stuff, and then later been like, bah, actually, I'm gonna change it. <laughs> Like what? Um, I'm somebody where I have like a relationship with my parents where there's lots of things they don't want me to do. Like my mom worries a lot. Um, This isn't the same scale of importance as your stuff, but she was like, it was very important to her that I never get a motorcycle. She was just like, I'll worry too much, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, I don't want to upset my mom or upset my relationship with my mom. And then after a couple decades of being alive, I was like, oh, wait, I could just not tell her. Which worked out great. And the other thing that was crazy about it was like, she came to visit me and she was like, you know, every time my mom comes to visit, she starts messing with my apartment, messing with, she starts cleaning it and making it nicer than it is. (laughs) (laughs) And so she was doing that and she came out of like my closet holding a motorcycle helmet. (gasps) Did she come out? Was she like fuming? She was, she looked surprised and curious and I think I, I could be misremembering this, but I think that I started to make up a story. And then I was like, oh, that's the motorcycle helmet for the motorcycle I have that I don't tell you about because you would freak out about it. And how did she deal? She wasn't not as bad as I thought. Like, I think there's something about, not that it always happens like this at all, mm-hmm. but it was easier to be like, I'm doing this and I've been doing it for a couple of years. And I, you know, then it would have been if... It was easier to get uh, forgiveness. Hmm. 
them permission in that case. I'm not saying it's the same thing, but no. it taught me my strategy. Right. Right. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, I still need to do a bit more growing up. And by the time I reach 30, I can be like, I don't need permission anymore. <laughs> <laughs> to just, uh, yeah. It does just sound nice that it feels like you're less, you feel less anxiety, like you don't feel as much pain as you were feeling before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, It's, uh, I don't know how to explain it. I just feel more settled. And I, it, like, does it happen to you when your professional life is also in flux and it starts to infect everything? Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I was like at that point right there then that it, this was also happening, but I was just finishing up my master's and I was like, I don't know what to do. And everything feels, ugh. Yeah, and, right. Right. And then I, I started my PhD and it's like, no, this is work I really enjoy and I like doing it and I am good at it. So that side of me is very happy. So it infects the rest and I'm like, maybe... It's okay if I find my, if I take my own time, you know, finding the right person. It's fine. Totally. Right. Thank you for talking to yeah, us. Thanks so much for talking. No worries. Thank you for taking the time out to talk to me. Can we check in again in like a year? Of course. Hello. Hello. Hey, Tim. Hey guys, how's it going? Good, oh, it's going you? great. Good. Um, I'm Tim. And, Hi, Tim. Um, Tim, you don't need to introduce yourself to us. You edit the show. Well, I, I think maybe, I guess what I'm suggesting is that not everybody who's listening has any idea who I am. Not everybody understands that there's a Wizard of Oz behind the curtain pulling our strings like little marionettes. Um, hi. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay. Anyway, I, I wanted to actually have the honor to co-introduce with you guys the, the last segment of our year-end extravaganza. And also, I, I feel like it, um, I don't know, for personal reasons, it really speaks to me this year, much more than like I, I would have possibly ever imagined. Tim, just um, for like listener benefit, do you want to say, we're not currently in the same room. Like, do you want to say where you are? Right. Um so I'm in I'm in Berlin. I got here about seven months ago. Where I am is is kind of uh, kind of funny. I never would have expected to end up in this particular room. <laughs> um, I work in a co work space in this old. Um, it's called an Altbau, which is like the German word for like old construction. So I show up at this space every day as everybody else is getting ready to go home because I'm working on, you know, New York hours. New York time. Literally nobody here. All the lights are off. And then I go over to the back of the room where there's this door with this giant metal bar across it. And then I, I open the door and it goes into this like abandoned stairwell, a freezing abandoned stairwell. And then right there on the right, there's this little door that goes into what was once a water closet or a toilet. It's like something a lot of people would call a toilet, but what you call your home. Yeah, but it's really, I actually really love it. It's really, 
I don't know. I like tiny little secluded spaces. Yeah. And actually, like at the moment, I have to like I take a blanket and I wrap it around my lower half because it's so fucking cold in here. <laughs> <laughs> and like if I open this door here, um, well, it's just totally dark. Hello. <laughs> There's just it just echoes down many floors. Um, yeah. So anyway, and then I come here and then I like turn on my computer and I, I actually really enjoy this thinking about the idea that like, I'm here in this dark and cold little space. Um, it feels like a little perch and that like these, I like to think about the cables that are traveling like thousands of miles at the bottom of the ocean and how there's like billions of little sea creatures like running over these cables um, for us to connect to each other and then, you know, make our stories. I don't know if it's true, but... It is true. There are gigantic undersea cables. And they go right past that giant monster that makes the big bloop. The big bloop? You don't know about the big bloop? No. They're um, all these... What are people study the ocean? Oceanographers? Sure. So they started hearing this thing from like a part of the ocean that is way too deep to... Um, way too deep to explore. Yeah. They started hearing the sound on uh, using like whatever sophisticated techniques they use to collect sound from the ocean floor. And they were like, we think it's an animal, but we've never heard anything like it. And it's insanely like it's in, it sounds like it's coming from something insanely big. And huh. it's called the big bloop. Because the sound itself is a big bloop? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here it is. Do you hear the bloop? I heard like a tummy rumbling. It goes bloop bloop. Yeah, it sounds like, like the really? sound a fish tank makes sometimes. That's awesome. Bloop bloop. So they've actually decided that this is probably not the sound of an undersea creature, but actually like ice shifting way under the ocean. But um, I prefer to believe that it is a giant, terrifying sea creature. Man. Anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, sorry to get all romantic about the, the no, cables. No, actually, I it's... feel like both of those things, both like the place where you work from and the place where the big bloop emanates from are, they're like perfectly appropriate to an obtainium, right? Exactly. So that's like, that's our last segment of the extravaganza. So a couple months ago, we put out a call to listeners just saying like, hey, send us your recordings from your most like remote, unexpected, could be lonely places. Or maybe it's actually just like a really kind of a personal place where you are. And people sent us an insane number of recordings. Um, and um, some of them are just stories. And then some of them are actually just sounds with no explanation, but that are in their own right, really, really just satisfying. So um, that's what I'm going to play for you guys now. Cool. Thanks, Tim. Cool. All right. Hey, Alex and PJ, this is Chris Prairie calling from uh, the middle of the Cactus Eagle Ultra Marathon Trail Race, uh, deep in the heart of the Texas Hill Country. Well, currently I'm on top of a ridge in uh, the middle of this really rugged and beautiful terrain. Uh, it's about 1.30 in the morning. There's a very bright, shining moon. Stars are out, not a cloud in the sky. Let you kind of listen to what I'm hearing, hear all the bugs and stuff making noise and hearing my footsteps and 
pretty much what I've been hearing for the last 18 hours or so. I'm speaking to you from the epicenter of opioid addiction. I'm in central Ohio. It's dreary outside. My day off. And I know that by 2 or 3 o'clock, I'll start having brain zaps. And tomorrow morning... My legs will become weak and tired as I'm going up and down the stairs and I'll just feel exhausted and annoyed at everything like my bones are hungry and I just got married and I have no idea how to talk to my wife about this because it's so embarrassing and disappointing and lonely that's where I'm at wow this feels really dangerous I'm on a footbridge with my dog and we're crossing this footbridge and he and I are kind of scared right now because it's wooden and it feels like it's going to fall anyway you'll be able to hear the roosters that get abandoned here. I can see like five of them by a river, creek. Hi guys. Hello, I'm in the Singapore Botanic Gardens and I'm next to the lake. Ooh, the wind's blowing. I'm calling from the bedroom of my apartment in Sacramento. I am, about five years ago, was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, and it has um, pretty much kept me confined to my room for the majority of the time. And uh, it can be extremely isolating, which is why I listen to podcasts. Um, to feel a little bit less alone 
And so um, (laughs) I'm sitting on my bed with my two cats. And uh, this is this is the sound of my bedroom. That's what I hear for most of the time. So I'm sitting in a glass booth in the middle of a parking lot on the state fairgrounds in Minnesota, St. Paul. But nobody has shown up for this event and I've been sitting here for two hours heater's not working in my booth, so I still have my coat on, my nose is a little cold, and there's leaves in the booth. I wonder if anyone will hear this. Good Alex and PJ. Um, that place you were talking about, I'm calling from it now. Physically, I'm on a place called the Mullum Mullum Trail. Walking over a wooden bridge, faded planks. You can probably hear the birds. It's um, we're in Melbourne, Australia, sort of in the outer suburbs, and I'm leaning on the wood and I'm, I'm looking over at a, at a creek. But the place I'm in is because I've just been running and I've been running every morning because I'm waking up with this emptiness, this loneliness, this loss in my stomach. Because three weeks ago now, my son was downstairs, he's 15, he was 15, and he was downstairs playing Fortnite probably, and he came upstairs and it was a Saturday morning and he said, I'm feeling a bit dizzy. And we looked into his eyes and his eyes were going all over the place. And he said he started to feel numb and he was losing his balance. And he sat on the couch and I held him while my wife called the ambulance. And we spent two weeks in an intensive care unit at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. And he was unconscious and on life support. And after two weeks of testing and everything like that, they identified that his... um. It wasn't really life support. The treatment they were giving him was really just prolonging his death. And so last Sunday that was removed. And my 15 year old son died on the 4th of November. This is a very lonely place. It's a very difficult place. I've been referring to it as, as the upside down. Um, my son Collier loved, loved Stranger Things, and this is exactly it. Exactly feels like that. It's the world. It's the same world. It's just remarkably different, and it's remarkably darker, and it's a bit scary because I don't know what happens next. Thanks.
Honestly, it feels a little rude to be talking. <laughs> it is so quiet. I'm pretty much on top of the world right now. I can see mountains for miles and miles and miles. Not at the end of the world yet, because I gotta make it up those hills, but pretty damn close. I'm currently in Bali Mountains National Park, Ethiopia. Just out for a little hike, searching for the Ethiopian wolf, which is an endangered species. The reason I'm feeling isolated, because I'm currently riding a bicycle from Cairo, Egypt, down to Cape Town, South Africa. About a month before I left, I met a girl I want to fall in love with. She's back in Canada though, and I'm out walking through the wilderness. That's not working out too well for either of us, but hopefully she's a patient one. Hey guys, I'm actually on guard duty right now on a base in the middle of the desert in Israel. I uh, serve in the IDF right now. All around me is a bunch of desert mountains and a fence with barbed wire. It gets pretty boring here, but I find ways to keep busy. Sometimes we're listening to podcasts. Technically, I should be listening to the sound of ATVs to make sure nobody's trying to sneak in to steal things. Um, it's 2.30 a.m. in South Africa, and I'm speaking kind of quietly because I don't want to wake up my girlfriend who's sleeping next to me. Um, I started testosterone around six months ago, and... Basically everything about it has been good, except that now it just takes me a whole lot longer to fall asleep. So before I got to basically always fall asleep first in her carrying arms and now now I kind of just need to lie awake with my thoughts for a while and I don't like those thoughts. Um, I don't like that I end up feeling so alone when there's someone right next to me because I don't want to wake her up.
Thank you to everybody who sent us a recording. We're actually still taking them, so if you find yourself out there in one of those places, record a minute of it. You can email them to us at replyall at gimletmedia.com, subject line unobtainium. Thanks for hanging out with us this year. We'll see you in 2019. Hey, Alex and PJ. Um, I'm on a train. Uh, in the south of India, I'm going from Kano on the west coast across to Chennai on the east coast. Um, it's an overnight train. It's 9:25 p.m. Uh, at the moment, I, I'm locked in the in the toilet, speaking to my phone, kind of like a madman. Um, I don't know if you can hear me because it's very loud. Reply All is hosted by PJ Vote and me, Alex Goldman. We're produced by Shruti Pinamineni, Fia Benin, Damiano Marchetti, Anna Foley, and Jessica Young. Our show's edited by Tim Howard. We're mixed by Rick Kwan, fact-checking by Michelle Harris. Our intern is Heather Schroering. Our theme song is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Special thanks this week to Paris Martineau, Bill Thomas, Gia Tolentino, Aaron Lammer, Josephine Coatsworth, Julie Foley, Mendy Stubson, Kashmir Hill, and Seth Abramovich. Matt Lieber is when you're folding your laundry and you find five bucks in one of your pants pockets. You can listen to the show on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the new year. Thank you.